James Senegal once said, technology helps us become more efficient and productive, but our business still has a lot of art as opposed to strictly science. Are you tinkering, self-learning, self-improving, experimenting with home labbing? And do you want to become a skilled IT expert? Well, you've found your new home. This is the Home Labbers Podcast. On this show, we'll interview top experts and dig deep to learn how they got started and how they train their IT skills as a master martial artist in a Shaolin temple. And you know what? We're going to have fun along the way. This is the Home Labbers Podcast. And now your host, Vian Du. All right, let's do this. Good morning, home lovers. Today I interview Martin. Martin, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you for having me. Before we dive into the home labbing topic, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Martin Andrisa. I'm a freelance infrastructure consultant based out of a small country of Belgium. Um, I've been working in the IT space for about 12 years now, and I think I've been focused on virtualization for seven out of those. And how did you get started with home labbing and where did you get the idea? I think I first started home labbing when I started getting into the virtualization space a bit more. I started reading uh, the, the well-known blogs and then started uh, watching people demo at, at VMworld and VMUX and stuff like that. So that's where it kind of triggered my itch. So I think my first home lab was about in 2013-14 timeframe. So what were the reasons behind this? I'm a practical learner. Uh, I'm I'm not very good at, at paying attention in classes or anything like that. So I like to get my hands dirty and break stuff. So that's why I started playing around with stuff, play, uh, break it, see where it breaks, what it can do, uh, just to further my understanding. What was your first home lab project? First home lab project was probably just like everyone started a couple of uh, virtual machines running inside of a VMware workstation, um, building a, a small nested ESXi lab um, right up until I hit my limitations uh, from a compute point of view. How did your first home lab look? Um, the first home lab that I built outside of my own computer um, was just a small 1U supermicro server uh, with a Xeon D. Um, processor in it that was pretty beefy for a single node machine i think it had 128 gigs of ram as well uh, as 10 gig networking but it was all running inside of the same host so that didn't really matter um the only downside was that it was loud <laughs> tell us entire home lab evolution story not including what you have now um so yeah i started uh with my own pc i had a gaming pc back then with a bit of, of RAM, I think it was 16 or 32 gigs uh, of RAM, I forget. Um, started playing around there, uh, re- keeping keep running into the limits of, of what you can do with that limited amount of, of compute space. So that's when I decided to purchase the Supermicro uh, gear. Uh, it had a Xeon D processor, 128 gigs of RAM. I added a couple of uh, SSDs in there just to 
give myself some some more free space um but that's when i had kids and it kind of started dying down <laughs> and how your home lab looks right now and what do you have now there Right now, my home lab uh, consists out of four super micro hosts. Um, I built them uh, in 2020, just before the pandemic hit, um, or just after that. I'm, I'm, I forget at this point. It's on my blog. Um, but uh, it's four uh, super micro hosts with uh, an AMD Ryzen or Epic in there. Uh, it's eight cores, 128 gigs is where I started. I upgraded them to 256 gigs right now, and it's all connected over, um, 10 gig to one switch. I've got a separate NAS in there for some ISO storage, like, uh, many people probably have. And then there's a a PFSense firewall in there as well. You're using 10 gig switch. Uh, what? company it is i decided to go with fs.com um there's not a lot of people that have been using them but they're dirt cheap for the the performance you're getting i think right now this thing has um 20 10 gig ports 425 gig ports and 240 gig ports so uh for i think it cost me 1400 euros you can't really beat that price simo I haven't needed the support, knock on wood, yet. Um, it's It's been a learning experience because I'm traditionally a, a server guy, started in the, in the Windows realm and then moved towards the virtualization space. So getting your hands dirty with, with configuring a switch for, I think it was only the second time ever I did that, is, is challenging at times. Um, I'm also running NSX in the lab, so getting BGP and stuff set up is, is quite a challenge if you're doing it for the first time. And what else software are you running, sir? How many VMs and? Um, I, I just rebuilt it um, because when I, I, I moved my lab to a colo as well, um, but a lot of stuff went wrong. So I had to rebuild my lab. So for the moment, it's still a working progress, but I think right now I've got the traditional stuff set up, uh, vCenter, 46 inodes running vSAN. Um, I think I have NSX, uh, NSX is running. I set up the part of the vRealize suite. So I'm running operations, network insight, log insight, and lifecycle manager. The plan is to get um, workspace one access in there as well. Um, I'm running NSX advanced load balancer as well, but uh, it's just been set up. Nothing's really been customized or there's no workloads on there yet. Um, there's two VMs of a coworker running on there as well. That's just nested ESXi. And I think that is pretty much it for the moment. Um, hopefully going to get Horizon on there soon as well, so I can stop using my VPN. But what you plan to build? To have any um, roadmap? I'm, I'm trying to build uh, um, a good representation, representation, representation. Wow, that's a hard word. Representation of um, what I'm trying to do in, in my day job. So we're, we're um, looking at implementing some more infra as code stuff. So I'm trying to do... I'm doing the rebuild anyway. So I'm trying to do as much of that in an infra as code matter be it terraform ansible or just plain powershell uh doesn't matter but i'm trying to do it as much as possible in an automated way so that's where i've been spending most of my time and that's also why the rebuild has been going slower than just clicking through everything and setting everything up um, like i did before 
So, um, yeah, that's, that's one of the areas I'm focusing on. And then the next part, as I said, is, is getting that horizon, um, set up. It's one of the areas in the VMware product suite that I'm completely unfamiliar with. Um, I think I've seen horizon once from afar. So, uh, actually going through that setup process and then running into a lot of errors probably, um, will be quite a learning experience. And how did you fund their home lab? Uh, as I said, I'm a freelance um, consultant, so that helps. I can expense it on my on my company. Um, so that made it a pretty easy choice to to spend a little more to get that um, yeah four node cluster running with with you know, some beefy beefy hardware, but with a lot of RAM, all flash and stuff like that, 10 gig. If I was doing it self-funded privately, I would have probably settled for something with one node, a lot of RAM and, and running things nested. But yeah, I didn't run into that constraint during the design process. So. If I may ask, how much electricity does your home lab use and how much is your monthly electricity bill? <laughs> That was the main reason that I moved my lab to a co-location facility. <laughs> um, I think the, the last year I got an electricity bill that was um, 1,600 euros uh, higher than the year before. And at first I didn't realize what was causing it. And then I realized, oh, wait, I've got four servers in the basement now. <laughs> so that's immediately the, the extra cost. I, I also bought a UPS when I bought the lab so I could look at the statistics and it matched one-on-one. -on -one. So it was for 15, 1600 euros that I had to pay additionally. Um, I have to note prices in Belgium are higher than the rest of Europe. So um, it's probably going to be lower in other countries, but it's not going to be hundreds of euros cheaper. Um, right now it's hosted in a co-location facility. I've got a, a half a rack, which is very good for wife approval factor because there's no noise, there's no fire hazard in the basement and our electricity bill got cheaper. Um, and right now I am paying 450 euros for um half the rack with power included so yeah can you tell a little bit more about this colo and the, like the using uh, as a data center outside for your home lab can you a little bit more your your experience and the uh, difference with your home lab and going there it has been quite a, a challenge I, I first decided to move my home lab to a colo i think it was in december when i started uh, asking for quotes i finally decided upon a colo and uh, an isp in january i think and then i moved all my hardware over in february um there were some issues with the rack at first because um, they didn't, they hadn't mounted the, the rails, the, the vertical rails in a full depth configuration. So I came there, um, good spirited, uh, was wanting to mount my servers. I racked, I wanted to mount the first rail and I was like, wait, this doesn't match. Is it me? Um, and then I looked in the rack next to me. It's like, oh, wait, no, my racks are, are my rails are way too close together. So I had to wait a couple of weeks for them to fix that. Um, then there was an issue with the fiber interconnect that didn't want to come alive, uh, which was also a challenge because the, the Colo was using um, those SC connectors, you know, those square ones um, with the separate fiber strands. So uh, I had to wait a couple of days for that um, 
that cable to arrive. Then I bent the first cable to wait another few days for that cable to arrive. Note to self in the future, just buy two or three of them. You're going to break one anyway. Um, so yeah, that was a challenge. Uh, I also didn't have power at the start, which I didn't notice right up after I finished racking all the things. So, um, Luckily, the co-location is close to my home. I think it's five or six kilometers from where I live. So that made the trip easier. Um, but at first I was looking at a co-location facility. I think it was 50 kilometers away from my home. So if I had to go back and forth all those times when it was that distance, I think I would have been more frustrated than I was. Uh, but it, it, it's been a challenge, you know, if, if it's in your basement, you can just run down when you're sitting in the couch, um, just do some stuff, go back up, go back to your laptop and then get good to go. Now it's, oh wait, my wife has to be home. So someone's there to watch the kids. I don't want to really drop off my kids somewhere just to go to a data center somewhere. Um, so that that's been quite a challenge scheduling wise, but I'm glad to say that uh, I finally, since two weeks, have got the lab fully online again. It's taken this long because there's been some issues with getting the ISP connectivity going, which turned out to be uh, they they offered me a hundred megabit circuit, which would be plenty of of um, capacity for for what I'm doing or plenty of bandwidth, I should say. Turns out that they put the bandwidth or the, the bandwidth cap on their end was just a fixed port speed, hundred megabit. I've got a 25 gig switch or a 25 gig capable switch, which it's the lowest speed there is one gig. So that's in the end, it took us months to, to figure out that that was the actual cause. Um, so I learned to ask additional questions when troubleshooting uh, ISP connectivity, which is also the first time I ever did that in a data center. Usually it's the network team that handles that. Now I had to do it all myself. So it's been a, it's been a learning experience. But did you need to buy a BDO as well? Or was I provided BDO for you? No, that was provided. Um, it was just two power strips, an A and a B feed um, with regular connectors. So there's no um, PDU or, or UPS connectors that I needed to buy which saved me uh, a couple of bucks uh, as well. Uh, but that was provided by the data center itself. So those are not metered by socket or like any? No, no, it's just plain rack mountable power strips, just the dumbest version you can buy. Um, and they're doing metering on um, their end. So, so where they're sending the power towards me uh, because I only have a contract for 650 watts, which is enough to run all my lab. And then uh, also uh, I still should have enough wiggle room to, to add one additional host. So that should give me enough flexibility for the coming years. How much knowledge have you gained while having a home lab? Um, a lot. Uh, I started learning NSX when I bought my home lab. Um, I had been interested in it for a while, but I didn't really have the means to properly test it at home. So that was one of the main requirements that my lab was able to run the full NSX stack and that I was able to test it in a representative manner. So with, with peering towards uh, other, other BGP nodes and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that was a very big plus. I gained my VCP for, for uh, NSX just through studying in the lab. So instead of having to go to one of the well-known um, 
training providers, which would cost me four, five, six thousand euros for a five day training. I could spend two times as much for the lab. And now I don't have to buy training anymore. I can just learn it myself. What is the most unforgettable home lab story you like to share? Probably the move towards the co-location facility, because as I said, I, I moved the, the lab back in February. I think it was around March or April by the time all of the, the physical stuff got sorted out. Um, fun story, when I told the colo that I had no power, they were testing stuff um, and they pulled one of the power plugs that I had in there. Turns out that power plug was for my switch. So I, after two weeks, uh, it was a very busy personal time. So I didn't really have time to immediately go check it out. And also I had no remote connectivity because of the ISP issues that I already mentioned. So I came there and I was like, all right, my servers are running cool. So I plugged in my laptop to the switch and I was waiting. Um, I, I configured the IP that I had. Uh, before so i was waiting for it to connect and i was like wait this is taking long so i looked at the switch there's no lights and then i was like oh wait my lab's been running without network for two weeks three weeks maybe and i was running vsan uh you can see where i'm going with already having mentioned that i had to rebuild my lab vsan was completely dead i mean it was beyond recoverable um it's not a good thing when you're running HCI storage and you put it without network for two weeks, things are going to go bad. <laughs> and I did have backups, but I, I had already, um, found some stuff that, that I did wrong when initially setting up. So I was like, yeah, I'll just rebuild it eventually. <laughs> but that was probably the, yeah, the, the worst story that I have to tell for my home lab. Do you have more scary or funny home lab stories? Uh, no, no, I think that was pretty much scary and funny all wrapped in one, one story. <laughs> I haven't been home labbing or with this lab for, for very long. So yeah. What is a home lab for you? It's, uh, a way to play around with stuff without the risk of getting fired. <laughs> I, we, do, we don't really have a, a, a lab, uh, at my current clients. Uh, I mean, we, we have one, but it's not really um, usable for the stuff that I want to test. Um, so it was a good way to, to play around with, with NSX and, and VR ops and, and playing around with vSAN, um, and yeah, breaking it. I, I broke it fundamentally. So, um, yeah, it, it's good to have that, that feeling that you can just break stuff. And the only person you're going to screw over is yourself because it's going to cost you time to, to fix it. But on the other hand, you get to troubleshoot that and there's no time pressure you know there's no manager yelling over your shoulder like hey we need to get this workload back online asap you're limited by your own time so that's a, a very good plus and it also saves me the training um and i have the flexibility to play around with anything i want basically what would be your dream home lab hardware if money was not the issue um, you go to your web browser, you type in vcdx181.com. That's it. <laughs> I mean, Mark, Hupp, Mark Huppert's lab is, is bonkers. I think if, if money was no constraint, I would probably go a full rack instead of half a rack and just buy some additional hosts and, and set it up properly. I would probably not go the super micro route anymore because I love Supermicro. It's it's cheap hardware, but um, and and it's 
good hardware you're not going to hear me say that but like the the whole management suite around that just doesn't exist so if you want to test stuff out like with vlcm and then you want to test uh, the firmware patching which you would do with a with a one view or an open manager or stuff like that i can't really test that right now so i'd probably go with with branded hosts um and i would probably add more gpus and ram lots of ram and storage <laughs> what do you do with your whole hardware um that's a good question because i don't really have any hold or hardware actually that's a lie because when i first started um in my basement i had like a, a two shelf um cupboard closet whatever you call it um where i just <clears throat> apologies i had mounted my my hardware inside of just atx cases at the start because they were dirt cheap to buy and i thought yeah i'm just gonna place it in my basement i could fit four next to each other in that um on that shelf so it was ideal but um i could actually have mounted them in the data center like that but then i wouldn't have place to mount my synology nas uh, or my switch so not really ideal so that's when i decided to buy two u chassis mounts um two u server mount rex two u server chassis that's what i wanted to say sorry um so i have four atx cases in the basement right now that's what you call old hardware so um whenever someone asks for a new computer i just buy the parts and that's the case they're gonna get so i'm just gonna repurpose it like that uh, i haven't really um had the chance to to recycle this hardware because it's just new two years old um what i did with the old lab that i had in 2014 is that i sold it um i think i had that lab for two years uh when i sold it uh, i got a, a pretty good price for it so I was happy to make someone else happy with it, which turns out to also be a home labber. What one piece of advice would you give for beginner home labbers? Um, start small. Start start with the the fundamentals, or or start actually with a good design. That's um, something that I tried to do with with this home lab. I, I was. I started with the idea that, yeah, I want to buy a new home lab and immediately I would open up Amazon and just click parts together and it's like, oh yeah, this is cool. I want this. But then I, uh, a buddy of mine was um, working on his VCDX and uh, I was like, yeah, I should probably use the same methodology for my lab because this is just like any customer engagements. I have requirements. I have constraints. I have risks, which is my wife not approving it and me having to look for another place to live. Um, <laughs> so um, by, by following that, I settled upon what I have now, which suits my requirements. But uh, if you're just starting in the virtualization space, maybe you're good to go with just a knock. Uh, you can do plenty with a knock. Look at William Lamb, what he can do uh, with one single knock. Um, so just look at what you want to do. Make make like a two, four year plan. Look at where you want to go uh, and pick the hardware you're going to use based upon that. I think that avoids you overspending at the start and um, it avoids you getting distracted. Because if you, if you just put all the fancy stuff and you put GPUs and then you start playing around with horizon and gaming in horizon, like, like you are, um, or you, you 
start doing AI when in reality you bought the lab to understand Vsphere some more. I mean, if you're doing gaming on the horizon and stuff like that, you're going to understand Vsphere a bit better, but that was not the, the initial goal. So it avoids you getting distracted, so to say. So that would probably be my advice. What is the most basic security controls you implement in your home lab? Um, not exposing RDP to the internet. <laughs> That's, uh, I think, a fundamental, uh, it's easy to do. It's like, oh, this makes it easier to to just get to my lab um, in, a, in a secure way. I mean, I have done this in the past and found that it was not a very good idea because my firewall logs were like full of people trying to connect over 3389. It was, it was crazy. Um, I do still have that port open. Um, but it's only accepting connections from my home WAN address, which is static, or it changes once in a while, and then I just open my VPN and change it back, or I just use my VPN. That's probably um, the second best thing that I can say is get a VPN and just connect over that. Do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> what do you recommend most home labbers should do to protect themselves from cyber criminals? Probably what I just said, not exposing any of your management to the internet, uh, SSH4432 vCenter or, or ESXi or uh, your firewall management plane or uh, RDP, as I just said. That's probably the best thing you can do. Um, apart from that, just stick to the fundamentals. Like if you're going to uh, do, if you're going to do a home lab, just create, create passwords with your password manager, Bitboard or whatever. Um, use the same security practices that you would for a client engagement. I think that will do a lot. There's people out there that are way more interested in hacking a company than like a small home lab. I mean, it's, it's pretty much all automated right now, but um, also probably separated from anything you want to avoid getting hacked like if you have a home nas with all your family pictures on that put that on a separate network that's unreachable from your home lab that's probably a good idea segmentation wise as well because if you do happen to end up with a crypto locker or anything like that then at least your production data for your home use isn't uh, going to be impacted so use the same best practices you would do for a client and start playing around with nsx and you can micro segment everything and you're in a good place <laughs> Have you ever experienced an intrusion? If so, how did you detect it? Uh, it wasn't an intrusion per se, but uh, there was a lot of people trying. So that's that was when I had still had 3389 exposed to the internet because uh, I, I think that was for no, it was when I did my first home lab, the, the super micro one in, in 2014, um, because that I was on the road a lot. It was easier for me to get to it. Um, in the firewall logs, I could see so many attempts of, of people trying to connect over 3389. It was China, US, Russia. I mean, you name the, the usual places, but uh, a lot of places that also hosted an, an Azure region or an AWS region um, also came across that. So it's all automated right now. If you're going to expose that port, eventually somebody's going to stumble across it and you're going to see your firewall logs explode. I actually crashed my my um, home router back then because of all the attempts. So that's when I when I found that hey something is wrong. I was going through the logs. Oh, that's bad. So I, that's when I turned it off. <laughs> what do you plan to buy next? Do you have your shopping list or roadmap? 
I do. Um, and I don't, it's, I have a couple of ideas in my head that I want to try next. Um, I'm kind of working towards getting my fee caps for NSX that I want to focus on first. Um, but after that, I'm probably gonna be buying either graphics cards to start playing around with AI a bit, because that's something that's very interesting to me. Um, that or buy additional disk groups for vSAN because I'm starting to notice like uh, I'm using those those Samsung 980 um, SSDs for my caching tier. Um, apparently you can saturate them pretty easily. So I'm probably gonna look at adding an additional disk group in every node and maybe uh, bumping up a tier from a, from a hardware perspective. Uh, look at some NVMe devices that aren't consumer grade, um, but a bit beefier. So we'll see, there's probably gonna be a blog post related to that as well. Have you tested your new home lab in Colo? Situations that pulling out the power block? One, is it shutting down or is it working? Have you done like failure or safe, these things? Um, I did, because when I, when I um, fired up my home or reinstalled my home lab when I, when I finally got everything up and running again, um, I noticed that uh, one of my SSDs got bricked because of a log that kept writing, Oh, I'm, I'm having issues. I'm having issues and we're going nonstop. So it, it just wrote through my SSD. Um, so I, I was there and I pulled the wrong server. <laughs> I thought I put them one, two, three, four from the top. Turns out that I, I missed two. So three and four are swapped around. Uh, four was having issues. So I yanked the power plugs on the bottom one. And all of a sudden in vCenter, I see number three going down. I was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> so yeah, if vSAN is rock solid, it just uh, kept on working. And do you document as well your home lab? I started doing that this time around. Um, I started sharing my home labs with um, my home lab with one other colleague who's also a V expert um, because she didn't have the uh, the resources available to to play around with the more advanced stuff like like build a cluster and stuff like that. Um, so I found out that I'm very good at remembering stuff for myself, but that's not very convenient if someone else is working on the lab as well. Um, and I'm getting pretty busy at work. So it's getting hard to remember the, the finer details about, oh, what IP did I put for the IPMI of that server? So um, I started documenting everything in um, Netbox is one of the virtual machines that I'm using right now. So uh, if you don't know Netbox, it's an, uh, an open source uh, IPAM solution. Uh, you can document your, your rack placement and everything. I can see you nodding, see you, you know what I mean. Um, but if you don't know it, check it out. It's a very good tool. Uh, so there, my IPAM is in there. So all my IP addresses are documented there. If it's not in there, then it doesn't exist. And if there's an IP conflict, then too bad. I should have documented it better. Uh, and then for the, uh, the passwords, I'm using KeyPass for now. Um, kind of, I want to start playing around with Tanzu as well. Um, when I have that up and running, I'm probably going to be running the, the container version of Bitborden because I'm a huge fan of Bitborden. Um, it's also a good use case to keep Tanzu running. Um, and then I also set up uh, a Confluence uh, cloud um, tier, which is free up to two gigs and for teams up to 
five or 10 members. I don't, I forget. Um, but it's easier to just write down longer format documentation, um, thought process behind how I set up, um, NSX in the way that I did. So it's, it's easier for, um, my colleague to follow along. Um, and also, the, yeah, my code. It, a lot of it has been written uh, in in infrastructure as code now with Terraform, so I can just look at the code again and I can remember how I set that up. So those are the things that I'm improving this time around. What about backups? Uh, no, in all honesty, I did have backups when I when I blew up the lab before. I was using Veeam. Uh, you get an NFR license uh, if you're a V expert or if you're certified. Veeam's awesome. Um, so I was using that, but I decided not to restore my lab because of the the issues that I found and it would be easier for me to rebuild. Um, also with getting that, that infrared code workflow done. Um, but I'm going to be setting up Veeam um, soon as well again. And I'll probably be using that NAS as a, as a primary backup source and then offloading to insert cloud provider here um, just for longer term storage. But thank you so much. It's so fun to speaking with you and see you soon. You're very welcome. Uh, I like getting to know people in the community a bit better as well. It was very fun talking to you and I hope to see you in Barcelona. You've been listening to the Home Labbers podcast. Our passion is to interview the leading IT experts and get tech enthusiasts all the information they need to become an expert. So if you run at-home enterprise hardware and software and you like tinkering and self-learning, then you've found your new podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit up the website at viondu.tech. On Twitter at hashtag viondutrending and hashtag homelab. See you next time on the Home Labbers Podcast.